0: Welcome to Talking Tuesday, I am your host Fancy Quant, and today we're gonna dive into talking about the ego. So first off, thank you for joining me here on season two, episode one, but let's just talk about what the ego is. Is it needed, is it not needed? We'll kind of figure that out as we go. Okay, so to start off with here, I think a lot of people view ego as negative. Um, I am probably one of these people, um, but I'll talk about the need and necessity to have an ego, at least from my perspective here. Um, defining ego simply, though, it's, it's kind of hard to define, but I think a lot of times it's best described as more or less like your internal, personal confidence within yourself. Um, so it doesn't really impact other people in the sense that it doesn't a lot of times matter what other people think though others opinions can kind of strengthen your ego so they can stroke your ego and tell you how great and wonderful you are. Uh, but at the same time, it really comes down to your personal perspective on life and who you are. Uh, now, that being said, from a psychological psychology kind of perspective here, right? You could look at it from like your id, your ego and your super ego, where your id is like your natural I guess, desires and inclinations and things. And then your superego is like your morality and your ethics and doing the right thing and worrying about social cues and what other people think about you. And then finally, in the middle there, you have your ego, which is where your perspective of reality kind of comes together. And so I think that's important to kind of keep in the back of our minds because a lot of times, as we talked about like imposter syndrome and other videos with quants, so again, not all quants experience this, not all people experience this, but there are people such as myself that many times feel like you have somewhat, some degree at least of imposter syndrome where you never quite feel good enough. Um, and a lot of that comes in from the super ego piece somewhat. Um, again, it's lacking your confidence. Um, maybe you think that you have a moral reason, right? I don't think that's actually a bad argument for it, though maybe you could make it. But again, it's really the confidence here. And so the re- let's talk about the different aspects from my perspective on coping and kind of wrestling with my ego, trying to keep it in check, so suppress it in many ways. And now somewhat I feel like I am trying to enhance and grow and push more of my ego out. So I guess in a way I'm trying to grow my ego. Um, I view this kind of as the scale, right? You, I'm too super ego focused a lot of times And I should be more towards the id, so pushing more towards that ego side, that id kind of like dynamics there. Um, But when I started business school and I went through the program, it was this really weird feeling, an ego that they build you in many of these schools, that a finance degree was like the best business degree. You were the smart one, right? It was basically like we had discussions about this. And I think a lot of business students still view this this way especially if you come from the finance side, you view as like finance is like the hardest and like the best. And then you view accounting is like, it's up there, right? Cause there's me- math, I'm gonna put it in air quotes here because <laughs> the math involved in accounting and finance is quite minimal until you get into like quantitative finance which is a whole other area. Um, and then you have like marketing and management and like most of these were touchy feel good I don't know, degrees, management in general, I just thought was kind of like a worthless degree from this fact, like a standpoint, at least from that view in time, that a lot of it, there's no right answer. It was like about feeling good and talking about people and there are definitely benefits to it. I don't think the education system does it justice though, Um, but today we're not gonna talk about that. But as a finance student, I felt very confident and I lived in Eastern Washington State, so in the Pacific Northwest, And we had a cool trading floor uh, in our university, so we were managing money, which I put in air quotes again because almost every school has these now. And there's all these very strict rules to prevent you from losing money and making dumb decisions, but they tell you how great and wonderful you are. And you picked a stock, for example, and pitched it like you were a stock analyst. And then, of course, you were the best and the brightest. And if you made money, you know, oh, it's all you, you're an amazing person. And if you lost money, it's, I don't know, it's because something else happened or the market screwed up or I don't know, it's mispriced, right? Put that in air quotes again. Um, <laughs> but you you got a lot of confidence for this. And then for me, I always felt like on top of the world at this point. I'm the best. I'm the brightest. I'm out there. And I remember sitting in an economics class really thinking though somewhat like, my school's not that good. The people around me aren't that bright, right? I'm definitely one of the best people in the finance program and in the university. I'm better than everybody else. And then I remember an economics teacher asking us, you know, who are you competing with? And everyone kind of sat there dumbly, like, I don't really care. Please finish your lecture. But he stated, like, and I, <laughs> I was that kid that raised my hand, um, you know, being that super hyper intense business student mentality somewhat. Um, And I answered, you know, we're competing against everybody in the world, right? We're competing and that's realistically true. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's who we're competing with. And he said, oh no, you're realistically just competing with uh, the guys on the other side of the state at the better university and they're doing more math and more rigor. And therefore like you guys really should buckle down and I don't know, there's a whole rant on how we needed to take our class more seriously, which is fine. But I remember at that point thinking like, that's really, we're competing with everybody, right? When you apply for a job, when we graduate, we're not competing with the guy next to you in the next seat. And I think that's where a lot of even graduate students today feel like it's combative. And if you can't give the guy next to you like leads or where you're applying to because you don't want competition, this is nonsense in itself. This is an example of bad ego, where if you work together with people, you could all end up getting jobs and winning and helping each other and you'd all end up in better situations and if even if you help the guy next to you and you're like help guide him career-wise and even if you don't get a job that relationship still exists and over time you know it might end up paying you back and again this ego here gets in the way where you start having this mentality that the world is very competitive which it is but at the same time, you start thinking you're the best, like you're the winner, you're the guy that's gonna make it all happen. And while I think that is necessary from a business perspective, and more specifically an entrepreneurial perspective here. So most people, most business people will never ever be an entrepreneur. As someone who's worked at a startup, I can tell you it is pure hell. It is terrible, it is not fun, it is not exciting. Uh, It's dangerous. So (laughs) that's a whole other topic. But when you, in the entrepreneurial spirit, a lot of times you need a little extra confidence. You need to be able to jump off the cliff here and run with your ideas and make things happen. Where this comes into being a problem is that when you have a well-defined business, so let's say you get the business up and running and it's going, and then you're taking all these risks to get it there and you make it, and you're a big corporation or you're somewhat successful in your own realm right, if you keep taking really risky bets a lot of times, eventually you're going to run out of luck or you're going to run out of intelligence or you're going to be overconfident when you shouldn't be. And you're going to make a terrible decision and you're going to lose the company and it's going to go bankrupt. So I've seen this time and time again, you know, in different historical perspectives here and talking to different people that have actually been entrepreneurs, like real entrepreneurs that have ran businesses. Um, You have to balance the ego in your overconfidence with actual like knowledge and information and one of i think the important aspects which they teach you in business school which is a big positive is that business schools teach you to make decisions in uncertainty right that's the goal in business you're never going to have all the information to make a decision so therefore it's beneficial to make decisions in uncertainty but trying to make good decisions Now, whether business programs actually successfully teach and train and give all this information is a whole other argument. Um, But in general, that's the gist. And so you try to build skills and confidence in business students. So when they become managers and they have ideas, they push for it and they grow. Um, And I think this leads to somewhat career success in general where you have disagreeableness as a trait that actually helps predict how successful you are in a career. But the real advantage here of being disagreeable is being able to state your ideas, have confidence in those ideas, and then be able to execute the idea correctly, the plan, right? Being able to do that. Um, I have found in my career, for example, um, I'm known to be somewhat disagreeable, somewhat argumentative sometimes, but in general, I try to go with the flow. And one of the reasons for this, again, is that balance that you need when you have a good idea you have something that's impactful and you want to make your impression and you know it's the right thing to do a lot of times it makes sense to stand up against you know management and other colleagues and say this is what we need to do this is why we need to do it and pitch it and be disagreeable even if it creates somewhat of tension and arguments and i call this a lot of times rocking the boat right everybody's comfortable where we're at if you rock the boat people are uncomfortable but as the saying goes right don't tip the boat over So one argument and one thing to realize is if you always are arguing and you're argumentative and you're causing tension and stress in the business, even for simple like little things that don't really matter, what ends up happening is you basically tip the boat over. So people are upset because you're always causing issues, you're never correct, you're causing like stress between employees and colleagues and managers, and a lot of times they'll just get rid of you. And it makes a lot of sense because you want someone who's a strong leader, who's confident, but it's confident in the right things. They're not just confident to be confident. And I think this is where a lot of business schools fail is that you teach people overconfidence without backing it with a lot of rigor and skill uh, and information. So again, how do you teach it? You guys, it's really hard. So I'm not blaming the business schools and saying they're terrible or anything. It's just really hard to do it. And going now, for my process here so graduating having a finance degree right i'm kind of like a rock star i'm better and brighter and then i applied to a ton of different jobs and everything like oh i'm great i'm wonderful i've taken stock trading and i've picked stocks for class that were successful and i did all this stuff and like i don't know you you build this ego around you and then you realize after you applied all these jobs that you're not in new york city you're not in chicago you didn't go to this big all-star name school right everyone doesn't know who Washington State University is. And so what ends up happening is nobody hires you. And then your ego gets in the way and you struggle and you can't really figure out what you wanna do. And in my case, I realized the job I wanted, which was quantitative finance, had nothing to do with finance. So I needed to go back to school, get a better name on my resume for the school, which I did. Uh, And then I also needed to get quantitative skills. So for me, I had to start completely over. And I went to the school, and i was kind of confident and then we had the summer boot camp and they're going through a lot of the math and stuff and i'm feeling like kind of comfortable with it but now i'm starting to like scale back my ego and think you know wow like this guy over here is like a computer chip engineer so he's <laughs> went to school in undergrad to design the little CPUs that go in your computer and then you know this guy over here was a mechanical engineer, and this guy's an electrical engineer, and this person's like a math student, and you know, this student went to all these great schools, like I don't know, they went to the University of Chicago, for example, or you know, this guy is leaving our program and going to Carnegie Mellon. Like these guys are rock stars, right? I'm like, wow, I'm impressed. And so then your ego starts shrinking back. And then I had to go through a graduate program and taking all these math classes again at a mastery level. So this means they assume you already have a solid undergrad in math. Um, But you need to do it at a mastery level. So I go out there and I take these classes and I realize there's a massive education gap. I am so far behind, it's not even funny. And then a buddy of mine in my study group, so we're still friends today, I remember him repeatedly telling us, you know, business people are stupid. I can learn your job overnight. This is not hard. And me and another buddy of mine who are actually finance majors were like, No, you just don't understand. You need the well-rounded skills. And so for me, this concept was somewhat in my mind or it's playing out is I somewhat agree that business students and finance students not necessarily are dumb or stupid, but that we didn't have the education to do this newfangled quantitative finance idea that we thought we could do. And then on the same token, right? My ego is so big, I'm thinking I am a great person. I'm a great individual. I'm so amazing, um, right? He's wrong, he's completely wrong. And so I have these two halves battling out like the knowledge of like I'm behind and I'm lacking. And then also that like I am behind and yet I'm still a like worthwhile individual. And how do you balance these two halves? And it's only now years later that I look back at this and I can really start to reconcile the halves, right? Having the confidence from a business program and having that ego is beneficial. It's helped me to make good decisions. It's helped me to dive in even when I perhaps wasn't very prepared. And then on the same token, right, I had that finance knowledge. I understood how the products worked. I understand how the markets worked better than these other students who came from engineering and math and stats, right, and computer science. They had no clue what the financial markets did. And so when I took all the finance classes and the business classes, it was very easy. So it was very like ego stroking. If I'm an amazing genius. But it was also very beneficial and somewhat humbling to be able to realize, like, I don't know what I'm doing here, right? I'm lost. I'm confused, right? I need to put in all the extra time. I need to catch up. And so it's not that it's impossible to catch up, but you need to really realize, like, you're not the best in the world. Even if you were the top GPA and the top student and the top, I don't know, everything, you're the smartest in the price you're really not going to be the best at everything. So you're gonna be the best at one specific thing, but then it's quite humbling when you switch career paths or you try a new hobby or you do something different and you realize you don't fully understand what's going on. And so I think having that humbling experience is very beneficial. I don't know how you create this in real life for other individuals, but mine was definitely graduate school. Um, As I went through graduate school, I transferred programs, I ended up taking different classes, I did a lot of self-studying, and as I came through the end of the program, I was far more confident, my ego was starting to grow somewhat more, I started realizing I can do this, it's not that complicated, Um, again, it's just education, 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 and trying to weave all these different pieces together here, but when you look at this from an industry perspective, and we're going to talk about this now from the job point, um, those that are overconfident. And I talked to someone who recently who was mentioning like, oh, it's hard to be humble. You know, that's a very virtuous thing. And we should all be humble and the, e- humble and the ego is bad. The ego is not bad. You need the ego to help push you and drive you forward. Um, it gives you that confidence. But again, I think the most healthy aspect is trying to balance the two halves. So understanding where your limits are, understanding where other people's limits are and trying not to be mean and nasty because you think you're the best. Even if you do, you know, keep it quiet. Um, but also being humble with this, right? And trying to work with other people because you start figuring out quickly in an, in an industry and in a job and in a career, you can't get ahead without the team around you. And I think this is very, very misunderstood in many aspects of different things. Business, quant, everywhere in general, right? Different jobs, lawyers, doctors, whatever. You end up in this point where you think that you are the winner. And I think a lot of people that work in trading or wanna work in trading, they think that somehow they are so smart and they are the best person and they are gonna win and they're gonna do it by themselves and they're gonna make their own money and the world's gonna help them because they're just so smart and they're better than everybody. These people are nutbags, and you lose everything because (laughs) the secret here is when you look at these big trading firms, They've got a guy that's a mathematician or a quant, and he is excellent. He is one of the best. And then the guy next to him is a tech, computer science expert or a hardware expert. And they can operate and do amazing things on the computer science side far better than you can do. And then the next guy, say he's a manager, he knows the markets, he's looking at different things, he's going to outmanage the team. And then you're going to have a, like a statistician, like you're going to have all these people As one individual, you can't be the best at everything and this is how you build successful companies and teams and careers is you have to surround yourself with excellent people that are the best in very specialized fields and then you need someone to bring it together. You need that business person a lot of times to bring together the management style, bring together the team and utilize and optimize all the pieces efficiently. Now getting this to happen is very challenging but you have to realize as an, I think trading in general is a really good experience because it crushes the souls of many people and you realize you're not that smart, you need the team around you, you need to trade at a very optimal level here. Um, but again, in the industry, it's hard, I think sometimes to check that ego, um, especially if you're in a lot of these quant firms because you might be the best mathematician on the team. But again, having that team educating and bringing people with you is a very important aspect. Um, now that being said here, right? The hard part about managing an ego when you start progressing through a career and doing better, especially if you're younger or, you know, you're the best at this role or whatever, there's all kinds of I guess scenarios you could think about here from banking and trading and just jobs in general. Sometimes you want to stand up and you want to be like I am the best, you know, like basically I owned you on this, like you should do what I tell you to do because it's hard to get people to work with you a lot of times and it's hard if you are right and people don't listen, and so you have that ego. But again, the struggle here is being confident enough to speak up and say, I don't agree with what we're doing. I think we should do this differently, this is why. Um, Being able to do that is important, and you're not gonna get ahead in a career if you're not somewhat disagreeable and you don't have that confidence to move forward. But at the same time, what's very, very risky is when you have people that have overconfidence like this, and they are telling you to do things and they don't have actual backing or information to go off of. And yes, this sounds kind of shocking to some people, (laughs) but everywhere I've been in life, you find this. There's always someone that's over cocky, overconfident. These people are vast risks in life in general. And in banking and finance, these people are essentially like toxic. Because what ends up happening is they come in, they rock the boat, they make decisions, they get people on board, and they take you down this terrible path and financial crises come because they didn't think things through and make educated kind of guesses or like structures and modeling and put teams in place to reduce risk, right? They're so confident, they're so cocky, they know everything. And when it blows up, a lot of times they walk scotch free or they lose their job, right? And air quotes like it's not a big, it's really not that big of a deal in many cases. And then they go work somewhere else. but. Balancing that ego here and being right and rocking the boat and stepping forward is a mandatory requirement to be successful at almost anything in life. So on one hand, you want the little bit of ego, you want to have confidence, you want to get involved. Um, But again, that humble piece is really hard. So I think it's hard to kind of balance both halves because there are times when I come in and I tell people this is exactly how it's done and they don't listen and I wanna stand up and be like, I told you so, right? I feel like I'm like the boxer leaning over you, right? I just knocked you out and you're laying on the ground and I'm just like basically flexing like, like, I think there's a Muhammad Ali picture of this. Like he's flexing over the guy like, I own you, right? I'm better than you and I told you so. And it's beneficial again to rock the boat. But when there are times like these, in my head, this might be playing out, but you have to learn to be humble. Like I still need that guy. I still need him if he's on my team. If he's on another team and I'm trying to work with them, I'm gonna have to work with them across time. And so being able to balance these halves is very challenging. Um, Again, coping with the different halves, I think is really hard for a lot of quants. So I know quants and business people, for those of you that don't know, don't get along a lot of times because business people are overconfident and cocky about management and think that only the business creativity matters and quants think only the math and stats matter. And the reality is you need both halves, you need to work as a team. And again, that humbleness and that cockiness need to be balanced. And I don't think you're ever going to get to a point in your life where you have this perfectly figured out and life just smooth sails. And I think it's beneficial if you understand and grow and cope and learn how to actually utilize both halves. Like when do you need to play a stronger ego? When do you need to step back and be a little bit more humble? So that's my take on the ego here. I'm hoping you guys learned a little bit from the story. Uh, you realize that you do need the ego. It's not necessarily a bad thing and a negative thing. But I also hope that if you are very egotistical, that you realize you need to be humble. And I'm just gonna give one example here before we end this podcast. Um, one common mistake I see a lot, doesn't matter who's interviewing, business, quant, whatever, um, is overconfident in an interview with an expert. So, I've had multiple interviews where I've interviewed people, and you have time series written on your resume. And as many of you know, I am somewhat of a time series guru here. And so, what ends up happening is you come in and you say, Dimitri, I know everything on time series, you know, this, 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 and this. And they try to like lay it out. So, I'll ask you a question, like, okay, let's say you have a model, and you know, this happens, that happens. They go, oh, you do this, 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 and this. And they're so confident, they know everything. And realistically, now I'm just getting irritated with you, like, A, you're wrong. That's not correct. And B, your intense over like alpha male toxicity crap that you're trying to pull here. This is not good for teamwork. This is not good for an interview. And now you're just essentially making me irritated because you think you know everything, but you don't. You're a little peon student here. So my ego might be coming in, but you're not going to win this. And so when you do this in an interview, a lot of times it either will just politely go through the questions, let you think you're everything, whatever. And then I just move on. It's not a big deal. That's probably the best way to handle it. Um, I have had an interview where somebody started touting they knew all this stuff and whatever, and they were wrong. And I literally just crushed their soul because it needed to be crushed out of them because this student didn't really understand how to interview. And I gave them hard feedback at the end that you need to learn, to scale it back. And by the way, you are wrong on all these things and you don't know what you're talking about. You are far better to come in at a humble perspective here because you are on the bottom level here, right? You're not rocking the boat strategically. You're just being a dick. So (laughs) that's just the final wrap up here, right? Learn to be humble, learn to manage the dynamics of teams. For example, it's very hard. I know there's no secret formula to doing this perfectly. I struggle with this every single day that I go to work. Every single day on the weekend, I shoot videos, right? How do I project to you guys that I'm confident? How do I show you that I know what I'm doing? But also not being mean and nasty and pretending I know things that I don't know. Because if I don't know, I shouldn't be telling you, like, this is exactly how things work. And so trying to balance that is very challenging. But anyways, thanks for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And as always, until next time.